Hi, it's Scott Rockfile. Back with a podcast. It's kind of a niche. We're going to be talking to audio nerds about uh, this perceived problem with Dolby Atmos. So if you don't know what Dolby Atmos is, you have no idea. This is probably not a podcast for you. I'm going to talk about. Um, I've noticed a trend. I, over the last year, have been building a home studio solely, but surely cheaply DIY, but still buying good equipment when I can afford it, usually used. Um, and it's getting there. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy with the sound. Granted, I'm recording this at work because, well, it's the weekend and nobody's here and it's soundproof and I have dogs and neighbors. But anyway, uh, the home's is doing much better. So anyway, for the last year plus, actually a couple years, I've been watching and following some studio guys because they also give me an insight into things I do in radio as far as producing things or sounding of things or perceptions, people's mind, uh, frequencies, all sorts of little things that help me produce better in my job. So as I follow these for various reasons, these guys, because I like it, yeah, it's pretty much all men. I hate to say that, but yeah, uh, they're, yeah, pretty much. Anyway, they all have opinions, which I like. I like people with opinion. I don't always agree with your opinion, but if you have a well-founded opinion and you give me the reasons for it, you might sway me, but at least I understand where you're coming from and I could appreciate your opinion. All of these guys have proved themselves worthy, even if I don't always agree with them. And a lot of them have done new podcasts, new video casts lately where they're talking about Dolby Atmos in a very negative way that it's being pushed down their throats and this is wrong and it's bad and I don't understand. And I don't understand. I don't understand this response. Now, I'm not in that end of the profession. I don't produce music for a living. I produce podcasts, radio shows, that kind of thing. I don't have musicians coming in and record labels and millions of dollars on the line. So I know they're up against some things, but because some of the bigger streaming services are now releasing music in Dolby Atmos, and I'll go into a little bit about what it is if you're not fully familiar and why it may be good for just about everybody. But anyway, I've never felt that any of these 3D surround sound formats over the years, and we've had them for decades now, Quadraphonics was back in the 70s, late 60s even. Um... And funny, Rhino now has a whole bunch of quad mixes you can buy in surround sound. I, they, I just got an email this week. I think that's hilarious. Um, some of our modern surround sound discs from like Pink Floyd were taken from quad mixes back in the day. Anyway, long story short, Dolby Atmos is a surround sound, but it is more than that. And like any other, there was Q sound back in the early 90s. Sting released the soul cages in Q sound. And if you sat just right between two speakers, it gave you this spatial feeling to the music. If you listen to it in a regular disc player or in a car or whatever, it would sound fine. But right, right positioning between two speakers gave you this simulated surround sound. It was amazing. A handful of albums were released that way and it never caught on. There have been DVD surround sound discs. I bought those in the late 90s, early 21st century. Classic albums, digitally, um, Donald Fagan's Nightfly, uh, The Grateful Dead's Working Man's Dead, some Crosby, Stills, and Nash, you know, uh, Linkin Park released an album of remixes and DVD audio. Now we have a Blu-ray audio. Um, we're getting fully 5.1, 7.1 surround sound mixes. Um, and now Dolby Atmos. So always a surround sound mix of something has been a niche, arguably a tiny little niche. Surround sound for movies is a must-have, in my opinion. From the earliest days of surround sound, I had a Dolby Pro Logic system. 
And then I had a an early 5.1 system and then a real discrete 5.1 digital system and then a 7.1 system. And now I have a 5.1.2 Dolby Atmos system. I, I don't know, like four up top, actually. And then I'd be happy, at least for now. I'm in an apartment, so I really don't need a massive system. I have small speakers. So I've been along the, the surround sound ride since the beginning of it. Since VHS had Dolby Pro Logic on it, and then and then we got Dolby Digital on on DVD and Blu-ray, and now lossless audio. And for me, it's always been I've bought those when Sony or Warner Brothers or whoever put out a handful of surround sound discs, and it was always a handful. It was five or ten or maybe twenty, twenty-five over a period of a couple years, and then they stopped making them. There were super audio discs a few years ago. Those had a layer of a regular CD layer, but if you had the player that could read it, there was another layer underneath that had the surround sound mix and stuff. I have a couple of those. Um, Foo Fighters released stuff. There were dual discs. One side was was a C, regular CD. The other side was a DVD. Um, and it was audio, surround sound, or a higher resolution mix. Um, Foo Fighters released a double album at that time, and there was a dual disc version. I picked it up. Now it's worth big bucks because you can't find it. Back in the early 21st century, those DVD audio, like I said, I had Donald Fagan. I had Porcupine Tree. I have um, Linkin Park, their, that remix album they released in surround sound mixes. So it's, But it's, it's been there, but it's never been something that every band did that every artist released. And it was always... Something special for a special edition, and sometimes it wasn't very good. Some of these early, some of the early Rush surround sound mixes are kind of terrible. It, they just basically just kind of spread the music out. If you want to listen to a good remix, um, Stephen Wilson, he's done some remixes of of old records, Yes and stuff in surround sound. It's amazing. Um, I just got Alan Parsons' project, The Turn of a Friendly Card. Alan Parsons remixed it in 5.1 surround sound. It sounds amazing, and I'll do a, it deserves its own review. It, Stephen Wilson put it once a few years ago, a lot of people have a surround sound system. More people have a surround sound system in their home or a sound bar than they have a two-channel stereo system anymore. So why wouldn't he make music that would take advantage of somebody having a 5.1 system. Someone who owns that would look for that content, would want that. If it's good, I, I like my surround sound mixes. I put them on when people come over and they're like, wow, I've never heard the album this way. He's done Tears for Fears, Songs from a Big Chair, and Surround Sound is really great. Um, it doesn't work for every album and it doesn't work if the engineer doesn't know what they're doing, right? So, that brings us up to today. It's always been a niche thing. When Porcupine Tree or Stephen Wilson or Dream Theater or whoever put out this big box set, there would always be a surround sound version of the album. Same thing with Pink Floyd and stuff. There'd be a surround sound version of the album. We had varying levels of it, but it was a $100 special edition. You know, It was not something that everybody bought or a $50 or $60 special edition. So again, what prompted this, like a lot of my podcasts, I see something, I see a trend and I need to talk about it. So there's been a trend in the last few weeks where I've seen these guys I trust just going off on Dolby Atmos. And why is this getting shoved down our throat? And it's not going to work. It's not going to They're very negative about it. Well, I'm also friends with some engineers who are building studios, guys that, that do work in Dolby Atmos. I followed a few of them. And what they're doing in it is artistic and spectacular. Again, I don't think every pop song needs to be remixed in 5.1 or more at Atmos. All right, here's a benefit to Atmos. This is how it works for movies. And I'm assuming, and from what I've tested so far and the few that I have, in excess, 
released Live Baby Live in Dolby Atmos on 4K. And it sounds incredible. It doesn't change the experience. It just makes it better. Like you're there. So for movies, Dolby Atmos is the first Dolby surround, first surround sound that's not only object-based. When they are mixing the album or the, or the movie, they can literally put sounds anywhere in that three-dimensional space of this box that they draw on a screen that shows them what your home theater looks like, right? They can put things above you, below you, behind you, next to you. They can place the sounds there, and orally, Dolby Atmos figures that out. It's, it's kind of an AI program, right? And more to that. So you may have Dolby Atmos on a soundbar. I have Dolby Atmos on a 7, 8, 9 channel system. Dolby Atmos scales. When you first play that music or play that movie on a Dolby Atmos system, it figures out what you have and gives you the best sound for that. This is what almost none of these guys who are railing against this understand or mention in these, these, these long discussions of this. That the one thing that Dolby Atmos does that no other surround sound has done before, it figures out what you have and gives you the best sound for that. If I only had a 5.1 surround sound system and I put in a Dolby Atmos disc, it folds down, that's the term, but it basically takes that information and spreads it out the best way that your system can handle. Whether it's a a, a two-channel sound bar, a surround sound sound bar, a multi-channel system, or a full-blown surround sound system, it will figure out how many speakers you have and scale the experience for that. Nothing has done that before. DTX-X is also an object-based system, but I don't know enough about it that if it scales like that. But that's that's one of the things that they're pushing with Dolby Atmos, no matter how you've recorded the mix, it will always sound the way you want it to sound in whatever system. That's got to be really hard to achieve. And I can see where a studio guy would go, I don't want multi-channel audio. I want two-channel audio. I want to mix it that way. There's got to be a way. I use Adobe Audition, which used to be Cool Edit Pro back in the day, and Adobe bought them. Adobe Audition has a window. I can go in and mix surround sound. I've never played with it because I don't have a surround sound set up on my computer. But I would love to do it kind of by visual and then burn it to something and take it in my my 5.1 home theater and try it out. I just haven't done that yet because, like I said, I can't. I probably need some good surround sound studio headphones. It is not reasonable in my current second bedroom studio to have a full surround sound set up in my studio, but I have one in the living room. So if I could somehow mix it in surround sound and hear it right and then go listen to it, test it that way, I would love to do that. Mix these podcasts where my voice is up front and the music's behind you or something. You know, do something weird with it. Stephen Wilson is a master of it. There are a few other guys. Um, I think um, Bruce with Porcupine Tree, Devin Townsend. There's a few other artists who are good at it. And there's a whole bunch of names that that if I told you now, you'd have to go, you know. Anyway, maybe I'll post links below. Because there are people working in Dolby Atmos who really, really love it. I can understand not wanting to work in something new, in something that you don't think is going to take off. And uh, do I think Dolby Atmos is the next best thing and it's going to take off? No. But I think if you want to play with it and it's it's a scalable way of making a surround sound or two-channel disc, then why would you not at least play with it if it will give you better, closer to accurate sound quality? And that's what most producers really want. They want a particular sound for their album, but a lot of them are going for real these days because we have a lot of digital stuff. We have a lot of fake sounds out there. A lot of these producers and artists are going for laying down real things. 
and they don't really want to learn a new technology. And I get that too. And again, it's why I haven't started mixing things in surround sound, even though I've had surround sound in my house for 30 years now. I've, I love surround sound, but not for everything. When I get a new album from somebody, it doesn't, I don't get disappointed if it's not in surround sound. The new album from Riverside, a Polish progressive rock band I like. They, they went the extra mile and did it. It's it got a two-channel mix, high resolution. It's got a 5.1. And it's got a full Dolby Atmos mix. And the Dolby Atmos mix sounds great on my Dolby Atmos system. But I haven't put it on a regular 5.1 or two-channel system and gone, did it scale right? Did it sound accurate? That I don't know. I, I, mm. And if it doesn't, I, I get it. But still, as this was, surround sound has always been a niche thing since the 70s. Why not just continue it to be a niche? If you want to learn Dolby Atmos and you want to be able to produce things in Dolby Atmos, then do so. If you're one of these guys like me who like to tinker and figure out how things work and you, and you want to add that to your repertoire, you will. if you're a producer, you will probably have an artist that comes to you at some point. If you're an engineer that wants it in a surround sound mix and you'd be able to do it. And there was one guy mentioned in one of these podcasts I watched where one of his friends was producing things for free. He would add, if you pay for me to do a great two channel mix for you, I will do a free Atmos mix because I want to learn the software. I think that's a great attitude to have, you know, why not do the extra work, make it viable for somebody, you know, make it worth somebody to own and then do it for free for a while to practice and then start charging for it. If people want that extra whatever. There are bands out there that wanted their bands that want to, you know, sound like they recorded in a garage and, and they're not going to want that. Not every band is the same. Some music doesn't lend itself to, to a surround sound mix, but there are artists out there who are messing with that. And there have always been artists out there who mess with, you know, that surround sound experience to give you something different. And as we're looking for something different, that's why we go to, that's why I go to the movie theater. They have a better experience than I have at home most of the time. I've assembled a pretty decent system at home, but it's still not the same as sitting in a dark, big theater with a big, booming sound system. It's just not the same, you know? So I pick and choose the movies I go see in surround sound. I pick and choose the music I listen in surround sound. Not all of it has to be. Yes, if Apple, Spotify, and others are pushing you have to have a surround sound mix when they release a new album or whatever. Well, that, that, that is something that I would rail against, but just a new technology, you know, use it or not. But for those of us that do have the systems, I respect a band that goes the extra mile that takes the time to do surround sound and to do it right. Again, it's not for everybody. I don't need a five finger death punch album in, in 5.1. I don't, but I would love the new Avenged Sevenfold in a surround sound. I got the high resolution mix. I would love to hear a surround sound mix of that if one exists. So anyway, um, what you see on streaming services when it says Dolby Atmos doesn't always mean it's surround sound. It just means it's encoded in that. Dolby used to be a noise reduction when we had cassette decks, but now we're all digital. We don't need noise reduction. Most recordings don't have any noise in them. It's been EQ'd out. It's been limited out to that kind of thing. My podcasts have a low limiter on there, so you don't hear any rumble from the computer under my legs or things like that, or cars that go by. Um, that happens in albums and stuff, too. They roll frequencies out that you don't need or that are competing with other frequencies in the music. It really is a high-tech business. And, I, and I, again, I get some of these guys, if they're being forced to do a mix into a, a format that they're not familiar with, that I would see a problem with. But if it's an option, if like... Here, Dolby Atmos comes to you and go, we'll give you the tools if you want to play with them and do mixes because we think this is going to be a great thing. And maybe it is. Dolby Atmos is a wonderful thing for movies. It is the first time that Dolby has actually gone great strides over DTS. Ever since the first DTS soundtracks on DVDs, 
DTS was always more lossless, more bandwidth, more depth up until Dolby Atmos. So now there's Dolby Atmos and DTS-X. There are very few movies in DTS-X, usually a Universal or something like that. Most things are in Dolby Atmos if they have gone to the next generation. And I just watched Star Trek The Motion Picture, a 1979 film. Atmos made a huge difference in that soundtrack. If I were just listening to the soundtrack at home, no, I'd probably still listen to the two-channel mix because that's the way it was done. But, again, Grateful Dead, Working Man's Dead. I am not the biggest Grateful Dead fan, but I appreciate some of their music. And I bought this because it was cheap at the time. People were getting rid of DVD audio, and now they're worth hundreds of dollars. But I put the mix on, and this is one of the weird mixes. The Grateful Dead, that this ancient album, puts each musician around you. Nobody's playing collectively. You're sitting in the middle of a group of musicians, and they're just surrounding you. And as you turn your head, you're kind of facing the different musicians. That was an interesting way. It is not my preferred way to listen to that album, but wow. On the flip side, pretty much any Stephen Wilson or Porcupine Tree mix that he's done in 5.1 or Surround Sound is my preferred way to listen to that album because he's done such, a, such an intricate job on placing the sounds exactly where he wanted them. So it depends on the music and whether it lends itself to the format. But again, this was directed at the studio guys who are just so afraid of this format, who don't who think it's going to be like Q Sound and it's going to be like Quadraphonic and it's going to be like Dolby Digital. They, there was a push to make Dolby Digital. Very few bands did it. They just called it 5.1 for the longest time because it was less confusing. But now Atmos, because they can use the word to describe a two-channel, a three-channel, a five-channel, a nine-channel system. Dolby Atmos scales to fit whatever you're listening to it on. How they get to that point, well, I'm going to have to play with it myself to figure that out, to get to that final fold down of a two-channel thing. But I know that I've played with it on music and movies that I have in 5.1 and Dolby Atmos, and I've listened to them different ways, usually does scale down to, to a two-channel mix. I actually, back in the day, ripped audio from my DVD 5.1 files. There is a two-channel mix on there, and I bought software that you could rip that audio into Wave or MP3 and listen to it in your car. It sounded incredible. It had more dy dynamics. And we, I could do a whole podcast on the loudness wars and, and how you don't have any dynamics in your music anymore. Everything's got to be as loud as possible. You should see the singles that I get in from record labels on MP3 and Wave that are just a blank wall of sound, you know, just a, a video screen of just solid that I really have to work on it to get it down to so it's not crushing our audio chain. Every radio station, every recording studio runs through a chain of, of hard equipment that changes the sound to make it palatable on the other end. And radio does that quite a lot. And if we get a lot of stuff that's going to peg our meters and sound distorted, we have to go in and normalize it and fix it or whatever. So anyway, um, I won't even get started on that. But again, Dolby Atmos is still... Yes, Dolby would love it to be on everything, and I would love it to be on every movie that I watch, but it doesn't have to be on every song or album, and I don't know why everybody's so worried about it. I'll look into the whole, you have to do it or else kind of thing. I don't think that's happening, but maybe it is. Anyway, Dolby Atmos. If you're into surround sound, give it a shot. It's amazing. Um, if you're not into surround sound, delete this podcast. You know, I'm not, not trying to change. I like surround sound, love surround sound in movies, like it in certain songs, really don't care if music's in the way at most or not. That's just my personal opinion. I'd love to hear from you. Send me an email to rockfile at live.com or post a comment below. And thank you. This was a long one. Sorry. I got on a soapbox. Have a spectacular day. Yeah.